Hello, my sweet friends. Welcome back to Decidedly Dry. I've got an amazing interview for you today. My guest is a psychologist and coach for sober women who want to make meaningful changes to their careers. This is something we haven't even hit on here at the show yet, and I can't wait to dive in. But before we get into it, I wanted to let you know about my first ever wellness challenge that I'm offering starting next Wednesday, which, depending on when you're listening to this episode, is December 14th, 2022. I am calling it Decidedly Dry's 12 Days of Wellness Challenge, and I just wanted to give you kind of the deets real quick. So who is this challenge for? It is for women who would like to stay alcohol-free, centered, joyful, and moving for the 12 days leading right up to, actually, on top of Christmas. The challenge ends December 25th. How much does it cost? Well, I'm glad that you asked. My friend, it is free. That's right. You heard it correctly. Totally free. My Christmas gift to you. Um, So how do you get in? How do you sign up? Well, I will have a link, first of all, here in the show notes. Don't you worry. But all you really need to do is just join our private Decidedly Dry Facebook group. Now, it's not the public page, the one you just click like. It is a private group that you have to answer just a few questions um, in order to be approved to be added in. Um, That way I keep everybody safe and private, and it's just a magical little corner of Facebook. Um, I will be running the challenge from there. And it'll be an amazing opportunity for women to work together and hold one another accountable. So if what I just talked about made you so excited and wanting to join, maybe just push pause on this episode and join the group while you're thinking about it. The more the merrier. And I am just pumped for all of us who are determined to stay sane and happy during this magical time of year. All right, so today I am chatting with Melissa Kelly, PhD, who is a psychologist and coach for sober women who want to make meaningful changes to their careers. Melissa is passionate about helping women define and design their own version of a meaningful life in sobriety. She is also the founder of Sober Girls Ireland, a community that hosts online and in-person events for sober and sober curious women in Ireland. I hope you enjoy our chat. You're listening to Decidedly Dry. I'm your host, Jess Steitzer. This is a sober podcast where we actually focus on the good. Amazing, right? We spark inspiration, we try to provide some hope, and we help motivate you. I promise to always keep it real, provide some dry humor, and remind you every single episode why sobriety is truly a superpower. If you'd like to learn more about the show or make a donation, just head on over to decidedlydry.com. Thank you so much for pushing play today. Let's get started. Welcome back, everybody. It is Jess here with Decidedly Dry, and today my guest is Melissa. Hi, Melissa. Hi, Jess. I'm so happy to be here. Oh, me too, sister. Well, I am just honored to meet you and hear your story and all of that good stuff, and I think we should just dive right in. What do you say? Yeah, let's do it. So my name is Dr. Melissa Kelly, PhD. 
I'm a psychologist and a coach for sober women who want to make meaningful changes to their careers and take their careers to the next level in sobriety. I am super passionate about helping women, you know, upgrade their career in sobriety and realize what they're possible and capable of doing um, in sobriety after quitting drinking. So I currently live in Ireland. Jess and I were just talking about this before we hit So record. awesome. Because it's dark here. We're, we're on Zoom um, and it's dark in the background. So I live in Ireland. And the reason why I live in Ireland is because both of my parents are Irish and they met in Philadelphia in the U.S. where I was born. And we lived there up until I was eight years old, moved to Ireland and lived there for six years. And my parents decided to move back to Philadelphia. We took the dog with us both times. <laughs> And so that's where I lived and where my family currently lives and did high school there, my undergrad there. And then um, I was having a diff difficult time with my mental health right after my undergrad. And so that's part of my story. I'm sure we'll get into it. But I decided to move to Ireland by myself to do a master's degree in psychology so I moved there in 2017 to do my master's and I ended up loving it here. I got an amazing job right after my master's in Ireland here. So I got a, I was doing um, psychological research. So I got a research position at a very good university here where they were actually paying me to do my PhD. So I did my PhD for free as well while I was wow. at this job. So that was really great. It was like my dream job. I got to travel all the time before the pandemic. Um, and while I was doing my PhD, I quit drinking. So I quit drinking on May 2nd of 2020 and finished my PhD the following year in 2021 and decided to leave research and academia after my doing my PhD. I realized that it was no longer what I wanted to do, um, didn't feel aligned with what I wanted to do anymore. And what I was really passionate about was using my degrees in psychology and the tools that I had learned about and using those tools to coach women and help them build the self-confidence that they needed to build in order to change careers. So for the past year or so, I've been a career coach helping tons and tons of women change their lives and change their careers. And recently at the end of 2022, I decided to um, primarily help sober women change careers mm. because that's something that meant so much to me. And I feel like there's so many women now who are quitting drinking for various different reasons. And whenever I quit drinking, I sort of found myself in a life that had been built by someone who I wasn't anymore. And I mm. felt like I was chasing these, you know, milestones in my career and different things to kind of convince other people to believe things about me that I didn't believe about myself. Things like I was professional, I was smart, different things like that. And I took a look around and I realized this isn't really what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. So I know that that's true for so many women in recovery. They kind of feel like they're, once they quit drinking, they're in a life of somebody else's life that someone else designed. And so, um, so yeah, that's my new um, path that I'm on. And I'm also the founder of a new community here in Ireland called Sober Girls Ireland, um, mm -hmm. where we're going to be hosting in-person and virtual events across Ireland in 2023, because there's no sober community here for women. And there's so many in the US and in the UK, but Ireland is left out. So it's not there, build it. And so that's that's what wow. I've been up to. And yeah, just, so that's just a few working. things. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that's amazing. Things. Oh, well, I want to dive into like 
each amazing thing that you just listed. That is so, so cool. Um, well, you mentioned, I mean, you mentioned a lot and I loved every bit of it, like I said, but let's kind of hone in on the alcohol piece. So you said that you became sober and I want to know what kind of led up to that. So if you don't mind sharing kind of what your history is with alcohol, when you started and when you kind of saw that shift. So, uh, as I said, when I was telling you a bit about myself, I have moved around quite a lot throughout my childhood. And that led me to be a bit shy, a bit introverted. Um, I struggled to feel like I belonged. And so I started drinking in high school, towards the end of high school. And I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. (laughs) I don't have to feel shy anymore. I can feel like I felt that immediate confidence, because whenever I first started drinking in high school, it wasn't like I was just drinking one beer. I was binge drinking as my friends were doing too. Mm -hmm. So I didn't really think anything of it. Um, And so I got drunk the first time that I drank. And I was like, this is amazing. I just want to feel like this all of the time. I'm so confident. I can just go up and talk to people. I don't have that little insecure voice in my head telling me like, you're doing something wrong. You're, you're awkward. And you know, things like that, that we love to tell ourselves. And I thought it was so fun. Then I drank like everyone else, drank on the weekends, whenever we could get it, basically, because I was underage. Mm-hmm. My parents know this, they're from Ireland, they get it. <laughs> they <laughs> and, understand. Um, and same thing happened in college, you know, drinking on the weekends, enjoying partying, like I really did love it. And I kind of prided myself on it. I got a lot of friends that way, kind of changed friends group, friend groups a little bit towards the end of high school when I started drinking. And then in college, just partying like usual. And then I got a job in the restaurant industry towards the end of my college degree. And did you, you worked in the industry Oh yeah. Did you see me nodding? I'm like, oh, I know where this is going. (laughs) I listened to a few of your episodes and one with um, Trisha Lewis. Yep. From Recovery Happy Hour. And you were talking about that. And I was like, yep, very common. So Mm -hmm. you probably know what happened there. No, I want to hear though. (laughs) So um, that's when my drinking habits changed, I think. So before that, it was usually just on the weekends or whenever my friends were drinking. And then once I got the job in the restaurant, I started, we got a free shift drink. So I would drink on weekdays after work and we, everybody liked to go out and party after work really late. And it felt cool. I felt like I had this new group of friends. They were all older than me. I felt very mature going out and getting glasses of wine. I started to know people in the industry and it was perceived as very glamorous. I thought it was super glamorous and super cool of me to be going out and getting martinis and things like that. And so that's when the behavior kind of started changing and I started noticing myself drinking more. That's also when I started to feel a little bit scared with how I was drinking. So I was doing things like blacking out, not remembering how I was getting home, doing actual scary things like biking home from work from the restaurant at 2am, blacked out, not remembering it, just different things like that. And also this is when I started getting very bad hangovers. And towards the end of my senior year of college, I was kind of blowing off lectures. And if I did show up, because I was drinking during the week at this point, I felt like I couldn't concentrate. I had headaches. I was just dying to get out there. I wasn't even absorbing any of the information. And so then I graduated college and entered the real world. And I found that transition very difficult. And um, I got my first real job, quote unquote, real job (laughs) using my psychology degree. 
And I was a behavioral therapist for a child with autism. And it wasn't my first choice of jobs. I just kind of panicked and took the first job that was offered to me. It didn't really pay very well. I didn't have very many hours. So I still supplemented my income with the restaurant. So I was still involved in that scene. And I also moved in with a friend from the restaurant who I had met at the time. And she was a big drinker. Her friends were big drinkers. Her boyfriend literally sold wine. So there was just always wine at our house and half empty, nice bottles of wine that he said, yeah, you can go drink whatever if you want. And this is where my drinking really took a turn. And I'd say this is probably when my drinking was the worst that year right after college, because you're not in, I wasn't in college anymore. I wasn't, you know, a college party girl or whatever mm -hmm. I was. I was an adult now and it was starting to scare me like, um, just continue continuously blacking out, always drinking more than I said I would or that I intended that I would, going into work feeling hungover. It wasn't like I'm going to class hungover, now I'm going into work hungover. And if you're in the restaurant industry and you go into work hungover, you're a champion, or at least it's a restaurant totally. I <laughs> But when you're working with children, probably not ideal. Right? Probably frowned so, upon, yeah. Probably. So I had a lot of shame around that too. And um, my roommate who I was living with also introduced me to this guy and he ended up becoming my boyfriend. We entered a relationship and he had a very problematic relationship with alcohol, um, which in hindsight I see now, but when I was 22, I was like, oh, this guy is crazy. He's fun. He's drinking all day on Saturday and drinking all weekend, like doing this crazy stuff. Like it looking back now, I'm like red flag everywhere, red flags right. everywhere. Like he was um, six to seven years older than me, and he had a child from a previous one night stand who he saw for like three hours on a Sunday at his parents' house because the mother didn't trust the child to stay with him. So there were a lot of signs that maybe this wasn't the person for me, but um, I felt very lost, very unfulfilled and very scared when I first started toying with the idea of quitting or taking a break because that's when I experienced anxiety for the first time. I had always kind of had social anxiety, but since I was usually drinking in those situations, I didn't really feel it anymore. But this is when I first experienced like drinking, let's say on a Friday night, having a hangover on a Saturday, and then for the next week, just pure trembling anxiety and anxiety. Mm. And um, I think 2016 to 2017 was the first time that I saw that I had a problem and I thought that this was a problem. And it was like kind of the first time that I made had that awareness for myself. And I was drinking to get through the week. I was binge drinking at the weekends. This is probably the time period where my drinking was the most frequent or my habits of drinking were the most problematic. And um, I started drinking in the morning for the first time on the weekends with this ex-boyfriend of mine and just carrying on the party. And then just that was really what stemmed the, from the anxiety was the mm -hmm. day after drinking. So I was seeing a therapist for the first time and my life just felt very scary. And I was also having some health issues at the time, which were unrelated to alcohol, but probably weren't being helped by me drinking sure, so much alcohol. Sure. And then finally, um, my my roommate who I was living with at the time, it ended up being like a very toxic relationship. She ended up hating my boyfriend, even though she introduced us and would let, let it be known all the time to me. And I would try to um, resolve the issue and get them together. And she would basically gaslight me and say, no, I think you're just being making this up. This isn't real. And basically just trying to convince me that I was the one who was being um, confusing or I don't really know. So basically one night after drinking all day or one more after drinking all night and all day, I should say, um, I basically just confronted her 
blew up, was like, I can't live here anymore. This is a horrible environment. I left that house, moved back in with my parents. So this was the summer after I graduated college. And I ended up that day after having that confrontation with that roommate, I Googled um, different universities in Ireland because I was like, I hate my life so much. I just need a change. I need to get away from everyone. Like I hate all this. And it's cheaper to do a master's in Ireland than in the U S <laughs> and I couldn't see where my research career, cause I wanted to be a researcher. I couldn't see where that was going if I didn't do a master's. Yeah. And then I went online, I applied for a master's in Ireland. I was accepted the next week. And then the following month, I broke up with the ex-boyfriend and I moved to Ireland and I started wow. fresh and part of me, I think was like the old geographical cure. Yeah. Um, but my drinking definitely, the the amount I was drinking definitely went down. I didn't drink during the week anymore. I was just binge drinking on the weekends. And then basically since moving to Ireland um, for the next three years, so I moved there in 2017 and I quit in 2020. I was just kind of trapped in this cycle of binge drinking on the weekends, feeling hungover all Saturday and Sunday, and then having anxiety all week, vowing that I'm going to quit. And it was just, it's, it was, it's really boring to tell that story because that's just literally what my life was just on repeat, just trying to quit, trying to quit. And, and that, that was the way that it was until I finally did quit drinking six weeks into the pandemic. So I was like, I'm not going to get invited to any parties or bars or weddings. There's no excuses. And I really just threw myself into this and said, now is the time if you're going to take a month off. Like, I don't know if you're going to make it through this pandemic if you keep drinking. Because I was staying up till a week at this point, but I was drinking so much and it was always on a Friday night and I would FaceTime my friends in America at like until like four o'clock in the morning, my time. Yeah. And so that's when it finally quit. And it wasn't like it was the worst hangover of my life. It was just another hangover. I guess you could say just sick and tired of being sick and tired at that point. And yeah, so that's how I ended up quitting. Well, and I, I kind of laughed when you said that's the boring part of the story, you know, because it's just that cycle. But I think it's not boring. It's so normal. You know, we go through that cycle where it's just like we're doing the same thing over and over again. And in our head, we're having that same conversation, knowing that something's got to change, but it takes time. You know, unfortunately for most of us, I should say, it's not just a wake up and say, there's a problem here. I need to make a change today. And then it's the rest is history. For some I've heard, you know, that's amazing. But for a lot of us, it takes time. You know, it takes time for us to really get to that point where it's like, all right, like you said, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. So, wow. Thank you for sharing all of that. That was an amazing story. Yeah, I definitely lost a lot of my confidence during that time, you know, making all those commitments, like I'm going to do it. I'm going to take, cause my thing was 30 days off. I wanted to just take a month off, Mm -hmm. just take a break, wipe the slate clean. I don't, it kind of scared me thinking like, oh, I'll never drink again, especially living in Ireland. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I was just like, just need 30 days. And then each time that I broke that promise to myself, I was just losing so much trust and faith in my own self. And it was just wearing that relationship down. And it was definitely a slow burn. Like I, I started listening to recovery podcasts 
Yeah, I created a sneaky little private Instagram to lurk on sober accounts and things like that. And now it's my business page because I talk so much about that. And it's been interesting having people who know me in real life come on and see what I've been writing and sharing about. But sure, I, I was listening to that stuff for about a year before I actually quit. Same. And so yeah, it takes time sometimes for you to finally be like, okay, I'm ready. Yeah, yeah. But I also want to point out before we kind of dive into my other questions that you need to give yourself a little bit of credit too. I mean, how brave and amazing of you to leave the country and start this whole new chapter. I mean, a lot of people, they don't get, you know, out of those relationships with their friends or a significant other or, you know, anything like they don't recognize sometimes that those situations are a little toxic. I mean, they might move out, but they don't leave the country. And that was, I think maybe it is because you were familiar with Ireland in the past, you know, having lived there, but I mean, what a beautiful new chapter for you to just say, I'm done. Like I'm done with this part. Here I go. And I wonder if a little bit of that confidence, you know, came back when it came to removing alcohol. What do you think? Oh, yeah, definitely. And me moving to Ireland, I think I felt like I had nothing to lose by moving, just because I felt so unfulfilled, so lost, like, in my career, in my relationships, because the ex and I were having problems at the time. And I felt like I didn't have anything to lose by moving. And I think Mm -hmm. it probably was a bit extreme to move across the Atlantic Ocean, just because I was struggling with my mental health. But um, at the same time, (laughs) yeah, I mean, it worked out. I was I originally was only going over to do the master's, which is a year. Mm -hmm. So it's not like I planned on moving forever. I moved as a student. And that's why it's been a bit interesting and a bit more challenging over the last few years like working now and living in Ireland because I'm not I don't have that student identity and Mm -hmm. not going to classes and so I've had that's part of the reason why I've decided to create Sober Girls Ireland because it is a bit difficult to meet people in your late 20s whenever you live in the rural countryside of Ireland so um and I do have a lot of friends and family like my whole extended family is here too so I think I did gain a lot of confidence by following through on something I said I was going to do. Yeah, that's kind of, you you said it way better than I did. Yes, (laughs) that's what I was getting to. Well, I would like to know, so you had, you said kind of that last hangover, that moment where it was like, okay, did it, it's, we're done. Um, What did you do or what tools helped you become alcohol free? What were you kind of leaning on when you made that decision? So... I think it's important for me to look back and remember why I quit because I don't think, so I tried to quit so many different times, but I never really looked into and gave myself a reason why. And it wasn't until I did that, that it finally stuck. So I used the app. I am sober to track my sobriety progress. And I, between 2019 and 2020, when I actually quit, I probably tried to take 30 days off like 20 times or every beginning of the month. And it bothers me so much that my sobriety date is May 2nd, not the first. Cause that was, I think that was the last straw for me. I was like, <laughs> oh, Melissa, that's funny. come on now. Like you didn't even make it through this first day of the month. Like, um, but I remember in that app, whenever I re- I remember sitting there resetting my date and I was like, I want clarity on my mm-hmm. life because I felt like 
I was just going through the motions. I wasn't really present. I was just so disconnected. And I was noticing whenever I was drinking, I was always calling people. I was the queen of drunk FaceTiming, which is not great. That's so funny. <laughs> and that kind of showed me that I was missing connection and feeling close to people. And that's because I just felt so far away from myself. Mm-hmm. And so what I really wanted was clarity on who I was, what I wanted out of life. And I knew that drinking wasn't getting me anywhere close to where I wanted to be. And I felt like I had so much potential. I had this amazing dream job that I wasn't really giving my all in. And so that was the first thing, like having a really strong why and remembering that and reading that every day. That was a tool that really helped me. Um, I also mentioned podcasts. So it's so fun that I'm actually on one right now. So fun. Yeah. Like I listen to recovery podcasts. So we were in the pandemic whenever I quit and I would walk outside every day for two hours and listen to recovery elevator, recovery, happy hour, soberful, um, bubble, bubbly hour. Is that what it's called? Mm -hmm, Bubble hour. A sober girl's guide, just anything I could get my hands on. I was just gobbling it up and listening and listening and listening because I remember whenever I heard someone tell a story that was similar to mine because I didn't really resonate with the term alcoholic Mm -hmm. and I didn't resonate with being a normal drinker and I was really Mm -hmm. in that gray area in between and I had never heard any of my friends or family or anyone in the media talk about gray area drinking and so I really loved listening to other people's stories and it kind of just validated what I was going through and it gave me the language to be able to articulate to myself what I'm going through and that it's not necessarily my fault it's you know alcohol is an addictive substance it alters your brain in certain ways basically just listening to those podcasts really helped me within those first few months and I Mm -hmm. think for the first year Like I'm the kind of person where if I have a goal, like let's say it's quit drinking or start my own business, I am just like listening to podcasts all day long about how to reach this goal. So I was listening to podcasts. I read some Quitlet, so Mm -hmm. books about sobriety, some of my favorite ones. I read The Unexpected Joy of Being Sober almost a year before I quit. Mm, (laughs) And then I kind of didn't pick up anything else until like six months in to my sobriety. Um, not sure why, but yeah, I also loved Glorious Rock Bottom by Brian E. Gordon. Oh, Have I haven't heard that of that one? one. No, she's English, so maybe it didn't really reach that much in the states. But she's um, she's a journalist in the UK, and she writes all about mental health and addiction and different things like that. So hers was really good. It came out in 2020. Oh, and okay. Yeah, so that's a good one. And Blackout by Sarah Heppola. I read that one too. And then another thing that I um I was doing, which I never hear anyone talk about, is there so I don't use Reddit <laughs> for anything. Okay. But I was constantly Googling like how to quit drinking, how to stop drinking. And there was this sub on Reddit called Stop Drinking. Okay. Where you could post anonymously. And I really liked that because I felt like I could say I was I was posting in there before I actually quit for the last time because it felt like there was accountability but anonymity so I could mm-hmm. be posting and making friends but they didn't necessarily know me and there was a check-in so every day on that thread they'll post like it's Saturday June 16th 
they say, I will not drink with you today. And then everyone else comments on the thread and writes, I will not drink with you today. I will not drink with you. So for the first 30 days, that's where I was. I was constantly on that thread, making that commitment every single morning that I wasn't going to drink. And um, I think exercise was a great tool for me as well. Um, Alcohol-free drinks really helped in the mm-hmm. beginning and online communities were, were a big help for me too. Yeah. That's a pretty solid toolbox. I love all of those. And I'm definitely going to have the titles of the books that you mentioned in the show notes as well, because some of those I hadn't heard of. So I personally and selfishly want to want to make sure I have uh, access to those. So thank you. Well, we are going to shift to the good. And I would love for us to talk about what you do right now and how you can help women, because this is a topic that I haven't talked about on the show and I am lucky that you are here today. So I want to take full advantage. So you mentioned that you are a career coach for ambitious or excuse me, you help women, sober women kind of redefine what their career goals are and if they want to make that shift and totally let me know if I botched that description, but um, tell people exactly what you do. Yeah, I think that description was perfect. So I like to say that I help sober women make meaningful changes to their career because sometimes a meaningful change doesn't have to mean that you completely make a change to what you're doing and change positions. Sometimes that can mean redefining, you know, the way that you think about work. So I am a huge component of psychology and using those tools to help coach my clients. And one of the main tools that I give them is learning how to change the way that they're thinking, to change the way that they're feeling about any circumstance in their life in order to feel better, in order to feel more motivated, in order to feel like they belong. And so I help women build the self-confidence if they want to change careers through using those tools. But I also help them just build a meaningful career for themselves. And what that really means is a meaningful career is defined and designed by you, right? You mm-hmm. you want a career that utilizes your unique skills and abilities that you're passionate about or not. Sometimes people don't want that and that's totally fine. Sometimes people just want something to pay the bills and create meaning outside of work. If the job is something like a typical nine to five and they just want to close the laptop at the end of the day and go home and be with their family, that can be a meaningful career for them. And it's all about dropping what you think you should be doing and getting clear on who you are, what your purpose is in life, finding clarity around the things that you enjoy and making a plan to go after that and following through on that plan. Because there's a million ways that you can Google and find a strategy for how to do this right now. Right. But the follow through is really what I help my clients with and the building of the confidence and the having their own back and sitting with uncomfortable emotions, which is something that I think we all kind of have to come to terms with when we quit drinking. And I use a lot of the tools that I have used through quitting drinking to apply them to changing careers, because at the end of the day, you're just resetting a goal for yourself and following through on it. Sure, sure. Because a lot of times, I mean, and I'm speaking from experience too, I mean, when we quit drinking, we things get very clear and sometimes they don't but have you found in your experience that a lot of people that you know quit drinking suddenly have different feelings about what they do I mean their workplace what what do you typically see in the beginning is it people that come to you and are just like I hate my job I need a change or 
I have changed so much that I have a different calling? What are your thoughts? It's normally one of those two things, right? So it's, um, they, the job that they're currently in, let's say might have served them in their drinking life. So it might have like, let's say in the restaurant industry where you're drinking all the time after work, you got the late morning, the late starts to the day, or if you're in corporate and there's a lot of boozy lunches, it's super glamorous, late nights out, dining with clients, different things like that. And then after you quit drinking, you realize that that was the main thing that drew you to that career and you don't actually like being a lawyer or you don't actually like working in the restaurant industry. Or it's people who kind of similar to my story, like they have chased a dream job and it's fine, but they want something more. They know Mm -hmm. that they're meant for something more and they know what they're capable of doing because of what they have overcome through quitting drinking. They've shown themselves that they can literally do anything. Mm -hmm. And even if they don't think it's possible right now, because at a certain point, we didn't think that quitting drinking was possibility. And so it's all about shifting those limiting thoughts and limiting beliefs around what you even think is possible, which is done through mindset coaching and realizing that you get to decide how you think about your life and redefine what success means for you and get super clear on who you are, what you want to be doing, how you want to show up in the world, who you want to help. Maybe a lot of the people that come to me want to Um, pursue careers in recovery, whether that's becoming a counselor or starting their own business, being a sober coach or something like that, just giving back to the community and utilizing their experience in recovery to help others. Right, right. Oh, that just sounds so inspiring because, you know, it is true. I mean, when you quit drinking, you build this confidence and clarity, like we just said, and it's kind of like, okay, what else can I do? And a lot of times that spills over into all categories, but one especially is, you know, what you do for a living, because that's, you know, where you're spending a majority of your time. So if somebody makes this big decision, they're like, I just, I know my calling is, is not here. What do you usually tell them to start with? What's that first step look like? I think that the first thing that we would do would be to find out what they're telling themselves about this calling and what is standing in the way of them making this happen. Hmm. Because it's usually not a circumstance. It's usually something that you're telling yourself that's limiting you. So it's usually, I call it a thought error. It's Mm -hmm. an error in your thinking based on a limiting belief that you have about what's possible. And so sometimes it can be difficult to be exposed to that. That's why having a coach is super helpful and creating that safe environment for somebody to, you know, bring you, bring me all of their thoughts around what they think is possible for themselves and being open to being wrong about that. Because I think so many times we just cap ourselves. Like I could never start that business though. Like I'll be a, um, I'll work in a nine to five doing this, but I could never start my own business doing this and just catching people on on their own limiting beliefs about what they think is possible. So that's Mm -hmm. normally the first step. And then we get into finding a strategy, finding an action plan for how they're going to make this happen, a doable action plan. And Mm -hmm. I work with my clients in a container of three months. And I think that three months or 90 days is the perfect time to get yourself set up and be in transition 
And once we have the plan made, I like to come up with what's called a belief plan, because as humans, all of our actions are motivated by the way that we're feeling Mm -hmm. and our feelings are created through the way that we're thinking. So in a way, the way that we're thinking is always creating the result that we're getting. Yeah. And it's going to be a much more enjoyable experience if you're embarking on a career transition, if you're not constantly beating yourself down with all the reasons why it'll never happen. Because how you reach the goal, how you feel reaching the goal is how you're going to feel when you maintain the goal and try to stay mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. So that's typically what I would start with. Good advice. Really good advice. Have you seen in your experience, too, that some people gain more confidence in their current job? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's definitely the case for some people. I think that that was the case with me for the first year or so whenever I quit. And I I just want to say I, in my specific coaching program that I'm doing now, I specifically work with women who have been sober for at least a year, because I think that first year of sobriety, you're still kind of coming to terms with everything, finding your footing, you might still be having cravings and urges and learning how to interact in different scenarios. And you're still kind of working that first year recovery plan. Mm -hmm. And for most women, a year is, um, I found in my experience, a year is a good enough time for them to kind of get a handle on that. And then they're ready to go to the next level. Yep. I'm so glad you mentioned that too, because that first year too. Yes. I mean, you're just kind of in, I don't want to say survival mode, but you are filling your head with all of the quitlet and the podcasts and the programs and whatever it takes to just lay your head down on that pillow sober again. And then after about a year, it's kind of like, okay, I think I can take something else on now, right? Yeah, I'm a big advocate of one thing at a time. Like whenever I quit drinking, I was like, I can eat any chips that I want, ice cream. I'm not going keto. I'm not, you know, training for a marathon. All I'm doing is quitting drinking. Yeah. That is all I'm doing. And if I want to eat the way I want to eat, I want to exercise whenever I want to exercise, that's fine. I'm not putting pressure on myself to do that. This entire six months year is just focused on me not drinking, going to places for the first time sober, telling people that I'm sober, telling people that I don't drink, declining drinks all of that stuff and just wrapping my mind around that and becoming a person who doesn't drink. Yep. Yeah. And then what I often find is people who come to me are typically in their second or third year. They're very confident. And sometimes mm-hmm. they are very confident in their job and they realize that they can do a much better job now that they're not like hungover all the time or having anxiety or different health problems from drinking or being late or whatever it is, and they can actually be present and they do feel really confident in their job or in their role. And sometimes they do want to stay, but sometimes they're like, I love this job. I love working with these people, but I know I'm meant for more and I know I can do so much more. And I'm, it's kind of like you get ready to push yourself again and get out of your comfort zone again. It's kind of addicting. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I couldn't agree more. And it's a beautiful thing. It's just you're constantly growing and evolving into this new version, better version, healthier version of yourself. And that's really exciting. So I'm glad you mentioned that as well. All right. I'm peeking at my list because that's what I do. I'm a total <laughs> cheater and I don't memorize all my questions. Um, okay. But I would like to know do, 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 what this new chapter of your life will enable you to do. So you have developed 
this amazing service for, for your clients? And is this a hundred percent of what you are doing now or what is on the horizon? Yeah. So that's basically what all of my time is taken up with right now is um, running this program. It's called Meaningful Sober Career and also getting Sober Girls Ireland up and running and getting those events planned. And basically what's really important to me right now, because I'm on my own career journey and I Mm -hmm. love telling people that. And I do have a podcast where I've kind of documented this journey for myself and the pivots that I've made. I started another business before I um, started my coaching business. It's something more related to my PhD. And I've just never been afraid to try new things. And I think that that is something that sobriety has helped me with. And it's kind of like my new hobby in sobriety is just trying new things. And like, it's so awesome. Yeah. Like doing things that I never would have done before. But um, right now in my life, I'm on a career journey too. And I'm just trying to learn how to build my life, build my career, take care of my health, but on my own terms, because I think for Mm -hmm. so long, I've just been following other people's advice, which can be helpful and other people's agendas and other people's routines and different things like that, or the way that they built their business or the way that they changed careers or that they help their clients, whatever. And I'm ready to turn it inwards and trust myself that I know how to do this on my own and just Mm -hmm. build it on my own terms, because I don't want to have another situation like I had a few years ago where I look around and realize that I had done a PhD and got this career in research because I was trying to convince other people something about me that Mm -hmm. I was smart or professional or organized or whatever it was. And I'm just ready to do things on my own terms, basically, right now. So that's super exciting. I think that is some beautiful advice and one that we all can relate to. I'm I was smiling and laughing because I too am in that position where I just want to do what feels right for me. I want to eat what feels right for me. And I was laughing because it takes time for us to get to that point. I mean, just last week I saw a picture of Carrie Underwood's legs and it had a link of what she eats for breakfast. So I'm jotting down, oh, this is what I have to have for breakfast because that will, you know make me have Carrie Underwood legs. And then you have to stop and just laugh at yourself because you're like, Jessica, stop. Like do what works for you. Be you, be authentic and try new things and trust yourself. Just kind of what you were just saying. So thank you for that great advice. Yeah. That's what it's all about. Like you don't need a 6am morning routine if you're a night owl. No. You know? Exactly. All right. Well, My question at the end is probably one of my favorite questions I get to ask my guests. So to the one person or many that is listening to this right now and feeling inspired to make a change, what advice can you give them? So I think I have two things that I would like to say to them. The first one is to tell someone to tell anyone, whether it's a stranger on the internet who you've been messaging in the DMs, who you found on a sober page, or like I did on the anonymous subreddit, like, or if it's your friends and family or someone that you trust, I think that once you tell someone, you can't, like, shame can't exist in the open, like, because when we're ashamed of something, we keep it in, we hide it. Mm -hmm. And that's what I feel like a lot of people have, like, I had so much shame around my drinking. And so, being able to just tell someone about it is going to help you limit that shame that you feel. 
And it'll also give you a little bit of accountability. And the other thing would be to just commit to not drinking today. I think mm-hmm. that that, you know, it gets said a lot in the sober community and the recovery community one day at a time. But I was just speaking about that today on, or this week on my Instagram. Like that phrase has gotten me through so many tough times in my life, moving from the US to Ireland and back again and back again. <laughs> and it was something that I really heavily rely on whenever I quit drinking. Like I might drink tomorrow, but I'm not going to drink today. And because today is all you have, today is all you can control. You can't control the future. You can't control tomorrow. All you have is this moment and you can figure it out. Mm-hmm. If you can just commit to not drinking today. Amen. Good, good advice, my friend. Well, if people want to get in touch with you, I will have all of your contact information in the show notes, but what is the best way to reach you? So I am on TikTok and Instagram at Melissa Kelly PhD. You can also find me at melissakellyphd.com, my website. And if you're a sober woman in Ireland and you want to know more about Sober Girls Ireland, you can just follow Sober Girls Ireland on Instagram. And if you are a sober woman thinking about making a career change, a meaningful career change in 2023, I'm launching my new program, Meaningful Sober Career, um, in January. So definitely check that out if you're interested. So awesome. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you for not only being on the show, but just being a inspiring sober woman and serving others because we need more women like you. And I'm honored that you took the time to come here and share your story. It was so nice to meet you. It was so nice to meet you too. Thank you so much for doing what you do. Recovery podcasts, as I said a million times, were such a huge part in my sobriety. And I know that you're helping so many people by making this show. Thank you, Melissa. Have an awesome day. If you'd like to learn more about the show or make a donation, you can head over to decidedlydry.com. If you enjoy the show, the best way to support it is to subscribe and to leave an awesome rating or review over on Apple Podcasts. It's sure been a treat spending this time with you. And just remember, if the only thing you did today was stay sober, you are winning. I'll see you next time.